welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about something that excites me. We are going to talk about logic. And okay, maybe that does make me a little bit of a, a geek or a nerd if I, if I think it's uh, exciting to talk about logic. But I find that in our world, there is so little logic or, or good thinking going on uh, that I just relish any little bit of it we can get. So uh, I, I wanted to kind of uh, go over some basics of what logic is and and give some examples and, and speak about intellectual uh, consistency and honesty. And, and we're just going to hit 10, 20, 30 different topics today. And uh, hopefully, uh, walk away with a much better understanding of logic and reason and, and how people try to pull things over on us and, and proper usage of terms and words and, and not being manipulative or, or catching when people are trying to manipulate us. Uh, so let's get ready to dive in and have a great time with that today on Let's Think. Beginning with the rough kind of definition. What is logic? Uh, it is a branch of philosophy, and there are different uh, schools of thought uh, on it, and you know, different people have different opinions about what it is, even, even the academics. Uh, but typically, uh, what we're going to be interested in is classical elementary logic, or, or sometimes it's called first-order logic. And this is basically just trying to figure out uh, what is good reasoning and what is bad reasoning? And I also kind of think of logic as a, uh, a set of rules for how to argue or how to debate, uh, how to think about things. Um, and, and, and one of the things that I find to be very important is this concept of honesty and, and breaking words down, using simple words, and not letting people get away with using fancy words or words that don't really mean uh, the same thing. And, and I think the best way to say that is, a, is, is by giving an example. Uh, back in the day, I was a, a police officer, and every so often we would be sent to dispatch a deer. And so the, uh, the issue was somebody would hit a, a deer with their car, and the deer would be injured, and it would be beside the road, uh, writhing in pain. It's not going to make it through the winter. And so we would go up and we would shoot the deer and kill it. And we wouldn't say on the radio, though, all right, I'm clear from the scene, I just killed a deer. Uh, we would say, I'm clear from the scene, uh, deer was dispatched. Well, dispatch does not mean uh, killing. It's a different thing. We're softening something that is distasteful. So that's why we use the word dispatch instead of kill. I think it's important to call people on dishonest use of words like that. Here's another one, giving back. Uh, and the idea is that we give back to society because society gave to us. Well, un unless you believe in that kind of collectivist kind of thing, that's that's not really a, a true, accurate word of uh, or use of the words giving back. Um, you can only give back something that was first given to you. That's like the, the, the term gun buyback program. Well, it's the government buying the gun from the person, and it's forced, so it's not even a, a purchase, it's not even buying, it is, uh, it's a use of force kind of thing, uh, but the, to use a, the word buyback is completely dishonest. Uh, unless the government sold you a gun, 
then they would be able to buy it back from you. Uh, but if they did not sell it to you, then they could come to you and, and say, hey, I'd like to buy that gun. Would you be interested in selling it? And you say, yeah, I'd like to. Well, then they're buying it, but they're not buying it back. Um, social distancing, that's another word we've been, or, or phrase we've been hearing recently, that is very dishonest. Uh, social has to do with, you know, people being with each other and getting along with each other and, and doing things that are social. And being distant from others is an antisocial thing. So in fact, we should be using the term antisocial distancing uh, if we're going to talk about people being more than a social distance apart. These are just a few examples of being honest when we use words. And if we're going to use a word and talk about something important, we should probably pick the correct word. Um, another thing that I'll bring up now is, is unintended consequences. And sometimes in logic and reason, as we discuss something and we think we've come up with a good conclusion or solution or something, and we ignore the consequences that could come from that decision. And, and an example to illustrate that would be somebody who doesn't want to sprain their wrist. This is very important to them. Well, a great way to not have your wrist get sprained is to be in a straitjacket in a padded room uh, for the rest of your life. And if you do that, there's a very good chance that you will never end up with a sprained wrist. Well, the challenge is that there are some unintended consequences that go along with that, like not being able to live a full and productive and happy life. Yeah, you've avoided the sprained wrist, but the other consequences are way worse. So as we look at various logical fallacies and, and ways of reasoning, uh, I like to remind myself to always keep this unintended consequences concept uh, in the back of my mind. Uh, now, here's another thing, kind of looking at uh, uh, reasoning and, and looking at it through the perspective of of some uh, uh, contemporary news items and such. Uh, we're hearing this term every so often, debt forgiveness. What is debt forgiveness? Well, it, forgiveness, we, we know what the main meaning of that word is, but the only person that can forgive a debt is the person who gave you the loan. And so what this, this term is meant to do is soften the real thing that is being said. And the real thing that is being said is the government is going to pay a bank the balance of your loan. And how does the government do that? Does the government go out and create value and, and sell things and, and, and sell services and products and, and therefore create value? Well, no. The only way that the government can get money would be to steal it from you, which is, is what we call taxation, or if they steal it from your children and great-grandchildren uh, through the Federal Reserve by borrowing money and having uh, a promise that future generations will pay that back. So when we hear the term debt forgiveness, we think, wow, how nice of somebody to do that. But in fact, that's not what's happening. A third party is coming in and using stolen money, either stolen right now or stolen in the future, to pay off a loan. So if we're going to think in these these terms or think of this issue, we should say, uh, the government is going to pay off our loan so that we don't have to, and then we can pay the government later. 
I mean, that would be the nicest way of saying it while still being a little bit honest. But to use the term debt forgiveness or to allow somebody to use that, it just isn't honest. It's it's not logical. It's not reasonable. It's not good. Uh, it gets us in a bad habit of when we allow people to be dishonest and we don't call them on it. It's very important that we, uh, we speak up when we hear this. That's my opinion. Another thing that uh, is kind of important to think about when we're thinking about uh, fallacies and logic and reason, and by the way, a fallacy is is a uh, a common logical error, uh, and, and there are you know dozens of them. You can look them up online and and read about them and, and practice noticing them when you see them. But there, there's one that's called the precautionary principle fallacy, and this is the idea that even if you can't prove something you're going to take some action just as a precautionary measure. So that would be saying, you know what, we can't really prove that doing a rain dance makes it rain, and there's no scientific justification for it. There's no real reason to do it. So the only way that we can do it and still kind of feel like we're being good people or smart people is to use a fancy term, which is the precautionary principle. Well, you know, we just, well, you know, we've never proven that dancing doesn't cause rain, so we better dance just to, you know, if we can help make it rain, that would be great. And that's part of what the uh, the sustainability movement does, is they say, well, yeah, we don't have any proof that man caused uh, activity is is or the activity that man is doing is causing uh, g- climate change global warming global cooling whatever whatever the kick is at the moment we don't have any proof of that but we're going to use the precautionary principle uh, to say that we might be causing some damage so therefore we uh, should use force against the rest of we uh, to change our activities uh, because it's a precautionary thing. Well, that just doesn't make sense. If you hear somebody using precautionary principle, uh, really look into it. And yeah, there are some things uh, you could say that wearing a seatbelt is a precautionary principle. You could make that argument, uh, but that is a logical thing that, that okay, we, we heard this term precautionary principle, we examined it, we said, yeah, okay, and actually in that, in that case, it makes sense. Uh, in another case, it might not. I hope that these ideas are uh, making sense, even though I'm just kind of tossing them out there here and there. Uh, my expectation isn't that you're taking notes right now. You know these. You've heard these. You're, you, you've probably caught people trying to use them on you. And uh, we're just kind of absorbing them right now and uh, hopefully developing our defenses so that when people try to pull the wool over our eyes, we are able to bust them and uh, not let them get away with it. It seems to me that just being a, a savvy consumer of information is is a wise thing. Not everybody is completely straightforward and honest and careful about what information they provide. And uh, I heard a good example the other day, actually, uh, right here on KHNC 1360. I was listening to Brain Cleavage with Kara. And she was mentioning that on her show, her journalistic uh, integrity uh, requires that she only provide information in a context that is uh, uh, honest and forthright and only information that is true and believable. She just wants to make sure that things are right before they go out on her show. Not everybody is honest like that. Not everybody is good. Let's be careful of those that are not.
This is your host, Shepard, with Let's Think, and welcome back. We are talking about logic today. We're talking about logical fallacies and reason and, and how not to let people pull the wool over our eyes, how to be savvy consumers of information. Um, you know, we, we should keep in mind that there are a lot of people out there competing for our brain space. There are people out there that are using very sophisticated methods to make sure that we buy their products. And sometimes these products are toilet paper or cigarettes or beer or uh, religion or or whatever. There are a lot of products out there being sold. And some of them are good products, and and it would make good sense. I'm a businessman. Uh, I definitely like to package my products and services in an attractive way, and I definitely use advanced persuasion techniques to encourage people to buy my products and, and services and, and my ideas. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think we would all be very wise to be savvy and aware of what's going on. So let's talk about uh, a very common fallacy, something that people do just constantly, and this drives me crazy. Many of my best friends do this, and they're they're even in the the liberty movement. History buffs and, and conspiracy buffs uh, do this, and, and they'll give an anecdote, uh, and it's not really something that proves the whole point. Uh, this is common in the health movement also. Uh and so here's a, here's a common thing that people will do. They will say, well, this happened to uh, my relative, and so therefore it's real. Well, that's just an anecdote. Uh, that is a, a one-time thing that happened, and it is good to use that as an example perhaps, but too frequently anecdotes are combined with emotion, and we get excited about that anecdotal thing when in fact... Uh, it is just yet another example of something that has already been covered with statistics. So I, I guess my point is, if somebody is going to try to give you a statistic, they can either choose one or the other. And if they gave you the statistic, they should not also be giving you uh, anecdotes about something happening. And here's just a, an easy example would be somebody saying, uh, you know, studies have shown or the... the uh, uh, weather folks uh, have figured out what the temperatures are and and the temperatures have been as high as 102 degrees in our area this summer it is just a really hot summer okay well that is a statistic this is a scientific thing that the, the people that measure uh, temperatures the scientists uh, have gone out and they've decided well okay this is this is the highest reading is 102 degrees that's the fact, that's the statistic, that is the statistic, and there it is. The challenge then becomes when somebody's trying to impress you about how hot it is, when they then say, oh my gosh, we have, you know, Jennifer on the line, and, and she says that it's 101 degrees at her house. That is just ridiculous how hot it is. And then somebody will break in and say, yes, and it was 102 degrees at my house. And, and well, this is just emotional excitement. These are anecdotes that don't add anything to the conversation. The cold, hard evidence was already provided. It's been as hot as 102. So unless you have new information, don't keep pounding that in. And you'll notice this right now. Uh, people will say uh, there are 
500 people in this state that are currently in the hospital, and uh, these people might have other things going on that are causing them poor health, uh, but they also happen to have uh, COVID-19. And then somebody will describe how horrible the coughing is, uh, or the, the wheezing, the trying to, the gasping for air. Well, that is something that almost all human beings go, gosh, yeah, I remember a time when I was, you know, <laughs> underwater and that just felt horrible, that panicky feeling, and, and that is just horrible. And wow, this COVID-19 thing is way more serious. Well, no, we already covered that when we said that there were 500 people in the state that had COVID-19 along with whatever other ailments that they might have been in the hospital for. And we already know that COVID-19 is a, a something that affects your breathing and your lungs. And, and that's it's a nasty thing that uh, doesn't feel good and it hurts and it, it feels like you're suffocating. We, we already get that. To now add example after example, and then when someone like me doesn't panic appropriately and have the correct phobia about corona, uh, then to come back and try to frighten me by saying, oh, and here's a case of Edith, and Edith has this horrible disease of, of COVID, and, and she is wheezing and coughing, and, and look at the misery that she's in. Well, that's not proving anything new. We've already talked about this. I've already agreed, yep, COVID's out there, nasty virus, nastier than a lot of the other viruses. Don't want to get it. Hope I don't give it to anybody. Hope nobody gives it to me. It sucks. But I'm not getting any new information from you when you try to panic me with another example of another person that has it. And then here's, an, here's a, another uh, kind of related anecdotal fallacy, uh, anecdotal evidence, uh, is to make the argument, and this is actually also an appeal to emotion, when, and that's a, another official logical fallacy if you're looking up the big long list of them, and this is the argument that, well, okay, Shepard, you can make light of it, but if it happened to your, uh, your somebody you love, your aunt, your mother, your wife, then you wouldn't be taking it so lightly. Is that a good argument? Absolutely not. Because basically what they're saying is, well, right now, Shepard, you are looking at things with a level head. You're not emotionally tied to them. You're looking at it from a, a logic, reason, science type perspective, and you're coming to a certain conclusion. And then they're saying, but... If something happened in your life that took away your ability to be logical and reasonable and calm and scientific, and you were now overcome with emotion, then, Shepard, you would be emotional, and you would think emotionally. Well, of course I would. Then you should stop listening to me. If I'm too close to it, I probably don't have uh, as good of a, a view as if I have the 30,000-foot the view from above. Uh, and this is often done by people who are saying, I was actually there. The fire was so hot. Well, we already know fires are hot. And I appreciate that you were running out of the burning building, but we already know that burning buildings are hot. And don't don't try to appeal to my emotion by saying how you help, felt the, the hair on the back of your neck uh, curling up. Well, yeah, when it's really hot, that's what happens to human hair. <laughs> this is an emotional thing that doesn't add anything uh, of substance to our mature, reasonable, scientific, logical, reasonable conversation. Being aware of 
these fallacies, along with others, uh, can really help us weed things out, can't it? And can you can you think of things? I, I bet you you've already, if you've listened to any news, I'll bet you've heard a couple of the ones, just the ones we've talked about already. I'll bet you you've heard several examples of each just today. And if you haven't, uh, swipe your, your smartphone, not while you're driving, swipe your smartphone uh, and look at any news item, any news article, and you are going to find examples of these fallacies there. And you can point them out and go, oh, yeah. That one, they're just trying to get me all emotional about something, but they've already given me the science behind it or the statistic. Well, they shouldn't be combining those. Or they're trying to say, well, yeah, but if you were emotional about it, you wouldn't be thinking straight. Well, of course I wouldn't. It's fun to be able to see when people are trying to pull things over. This is like a, a most uh, uh, commercials. When I have a commercial for my business, uh, I, I like to sell the sizzle, not the steak. Have you heard this term before? Uh, it's a big thing in advertising is, is, is people don't buy something or they don't get interested in something based on the cold, hard facts. They're interested in it because of the emotion. So you sell the sizzle, not the steak. Isn't that interesting? Think about that in commercials. Think about it when you hear my commercials. Yep, there I go. I'm selling the sizzle because I know human psychology and I'm going to work within it. And again, it's not always a bad thing. The sizzle is delicious. I, I eat steaks because of the sizzle, not because of the nutritional value they provide. It's the sizzle that I'm buying. But I should at least be aware of that. So I'm not the chump. I'm not the patsy in the case. Now, I have talked about the scientific method and I want to make sure that that we both appreciate the distinction between the scientific method and scientists or settled science. Now, these are different things. The scientific method itself is a systematic way of looking at things and coming up with answers. And that's, a, that's good. Scientific method is wonderful. Now, is it bastardized? Yes. Is it, is it sometimes dishonest? Absolutely. Uh, can you imagine if a, a tobacco manufacturer has a study done, they pay the university, and so lots of people are getting paid their salaries and students are getting to go on field trips and do all kinds of wonderful things. Do you think maybe there's a good chance that the uh, result of this study, uh, this scientific study, would be that, eh, tobacco isn't so bad? Well, of course. And if it's somebody that doesn't want tobacco and they're paying the bill, do you think maybe it'll come out saying tobacco's bad? Of course it will. If the United Nations is funding a study on climate change, do you think maybe they'll say it's a horrible problem? Do you think maybe that will be the solution uh, or the, uh, the the result that the scientific study comes up with? Well, of course it will be. So I, I don't trust everything that a scientist says, and I suggest that you also be very careful. It's the scientific method that is good, not necessarily the process as it exists today. And we have to realize that the process will sometimes be dishonest. Sometimes it will be corrupt. And we're going to take everything with a grain of salt, as we always do, because we're savvy consumers of information. Um, if we're not, we're going to end up losing in life in a lot of different ways, uh, which, is, which is why we're examining this whole idea of logic and reason. That's why we're doing this. Uh, and let's do some more of it right after this break. Come back and we'll have some more fun. The Let's Think Show website is openlyvoluntary.com forward slash let's think. Oh, when I was a little bitty baby, mama would rock me in the 
Welcome back to Let's Think with Shepard, the Voluntarist. That's me. Let's chat some more about logic. And, we, you know, we were just talking about the scientific method and how the scientific method itself is great. Uh, sometimes people distort it and manipulate it, and therefore uh, not everything that is reported as science is in fact true. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the scientific method itself. Science is really neat, and there are a lot of things that can be pretty conclusively proven, or at least good evidence provided, uh, to, to help you form an opinion about things around us. And and I'm kind of hemming and hawing here because th this is something that I struggle with, maybe you have too, is what do you believe? Who are the experts? Who do you believe? You know, you hear these crazy conspiracy theories, and you think, well, that's just wacko stuff. And then you hear another one that, you know, you hear that there was some political person in the UK and some political person in the US and that they talked together and they decided how they were going to defeat some other enemy. And well, that's just kind of history. And so that conspiracy, yeah, in fact, a couple people got together and talked about something happening. But, th but then how do you believe stuff? Uh, how do you know that you do believe that, but you don't believe what the other people are saying about how Hillary is really a lizard person? Uh, how, how do you sift and sort through it? And I don't know, uh, but what I kind of require, what, what my uh, measurement stick is, is, is does it make sense to me? And I know that sounds really rustic. I don't know. Maybe you have a better system uh, for deciding what's true or what's not true. Um, I know that some people use the system of, well, if the government says it and the news says it, then it must be true. Um, I hope you're not one of those. Uh, well, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't still be listening to this. Uh, what What is your standard? I, I don't know. My My standard is just... You know, you got to give me enough evidence and enough. You just got to persuade me, and it and it's kind of a a flowy type of thing. And I and I know when we're speaking about science, that doesn't sound like the the best method. But maybe it does come down what to the what the U.S. government's Supreme Court uh, once said about the definition of pornography. Uh, was they said, well, we don't, you know, I can't really give you a definition of what it is, but if I see it, I can tell you whether or not it is. Uh, maybe that's kind of how I feel about a lot of the, the science stuff. But here, here's how the scientific method is supposed to work. Uh, you're supposed to see something, and you're supposed to say, um, hey, you know, I, I noticed that this uh, uh, person is, is doing such and such a thing, and the result is such and such a thing. And so then you measure that, and, and you have it be repeatable. You measure it a bunch of times, and then you can kind of form a conclusion that if this, then probably that. And, and that there can be hard science. Uh, there can be things like watching plants grow. And, and you watch a certain type of bamboo, and you get out of your little measuring tape every single day and measure it and see how tall it gets. And if you do that for thousands of plants, then you can come up with a pretty good uh, conclusion, or you can probably convince me that, 
this type of bamboo in this temperature generally grows at about an inch per day or, or whatever it is. And, and okay, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, but you have to have this this science that you have to have this method for uh, coming up with your conclusions. And this is something that a lot of uh, a lot of people, I hope not you, uh, I, I hope I don't fall for it too much, but a lot of people just kind of trust whoever is in this alleged authority, uh, position of authority, that, it, well, if they're saying it, it must be true. Uh, and I'm suggesting maybe that isn't the truth. So if 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 you've been to a restaurant in the last six, seven, eight months, whatever it's been since the uh, uh, the chronophobia has been going on, you, you've probably experienced, you walk in and you're supposed to wear a, a face diaper as you walk in and you're supposed to wear it until you sit down at your table and then you can take it off and just go on about life as normal. But if you're going to get up and go to the bathroom, then you put your face diaper back on and wear it until you get to the bathroom, wear it when you come back, and when you sit down, you can take it off again. Well, if there are such strict rules that as ridiculous as it sounds on the on the surface, well, there must be some good science behind it, right? Well, there isn't. But let's assume that, that somebody did want to be intellectually honest and wanted to see, hey, is this a good idea? So how would they develop a study? How would they make it be a, a smart idea, a smart concept. Well, how you would do it is you would say, uh, you, you would start measuring things like how many steps a person takes between the front door and when they sit down. You would measure how tall the average uh, or how high the average mouth and nose are off of the ground. You would measure things like how many uh milligrams or or however it's measured of of spittle and aerosol sprays come out of a person's mouth when they're walking when they're standing still etc cetera, etc cetera. you would measure uh if that happens more when a person is uh, engaging in light exercise like walking from a door to a table or if it happens more when they are speaking like if they are sitting down or if it happens when they're eating and and you would get all of these measurements and then you would you would develop a study and you would say, OK, we're going to have a room and we're going to have people come in and uh, we're going to have a thousand people come in and they are going to behave a certain way. And we're going to measure uh, how many milligrams of aerosol, blah, 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 comes out of their mouth and lands on this little scientific Q-tippy, whatever. Like, I don't know how it's all done, but th this is just the system. This is what I'm explaining, the system, how, how, how a good scientist would go about it. They know all the, all the measurement tools and such. So you would do that, and, and then you would say, okay, well, let's try it a different way. And then you would have as many of the variables, you'd have control them as much as possible. And you you might do a blind study or a double blind, or you'd have a control group. And, and there are all these rules to the scientific method. And then after you did all of that, then you would come up with a study and say, okay, um, w without a mask, uh, there's an average of, of one virus transmission per 10,000 feet walked. And with a mask, there's only one virus transmission per 100,000 feet walked. And, and the average visitor walks 200 feet and therefore blah, blah, blah. And then you would come up with an actual piece of scientific evidence that smart people would say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Or 
thank you for that information. I can base my interests, my probabilities, my risk preferences off of that, and uh, I can I can make decisions as I go forward. And one of the reasons that good studies are not done, I mean, there's been plenty of time to do a study like this. You know, if you're in a hurry, gosh, you know, I call them little swabby thingies. But if you gave me enough money, I could get a study done in a month. And I don't even know the proper name for swabby thingies. Uh, but I could educate myself and hire the right people, the doctors and the lab folks and the, the other scientists that would make up for all my deficiencies. We get a study done in a month. Well, there's been plenty of time to do these studies. The reason that you don't see any studies is because there isn't really a good answer for this. And so when you see somebody trying to convince you of something and they are refusing to provide scientific evidence, and it's something important, it's something that they should definitely be getting some science behind it, if they're refusing to do so, eh, you might be getting scammed. It's probably worth checking into and seeing if maybe there's a little something uh, going on. Now, if that, if, if, and I'm just using this, uh, this mask, this face diaper example, because that's a, something that's going on right now in, in late 2020, but think about it for all the different things in life that uh, somebody wants to force upon you or wants you to buy. And when I say buy, I mean it both in the, uh, you exchanging money for it or, you're going to agree to this thing and really look at the motives behind what they say and then use that filter as you look at the scientific evidence and say, hey, does this make sense or doesn't it? Now, we're going to move on now to a uh, another phrase that is frequently used uh, when people are trying to hide the truth and get you to uh, fall for something. And, and this is something that I've run across uh, because I am interested in this huge movement, probably one of the the top four or five biggest things in the world that's that's influencing humanity this this decade, and that is the sustainability movement. And if you look at the uh, United Nations, what they call this this program for sustainability, they've given it their their code name, or I guess it's just their filing system. They've called it Agenda Twenty One. So if you go into, uh, and as a matter of fact, do this next time you're on the the YouTube, go into YouTube and type in Agenda Twenty One, and then what you're going to notice is something will automatically pop up. Uh, the thought police are there to save you from uh, doing your own investigations. And the thought police are going to pop up with a little uh, paragraph that basically says, uh, UN Agenda 21 is a non-binding agreement, blah, 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 blah. What is a non-binding agreement? Well, all that non-binding means is that something is not enforceable by law. So let's say, for example, and because this is a pretty good example, because we did this for years, my next-door neighbor, Trey, he would... Uh, he would snowblow uh, the driveway. He'd use my snowblower, uh, or sometimes he'd use his, but a lot of times he'd use mine. And then in the summers, uh, he would use my lawnmower anytime he wanted. He had a key for it. He'd just come over and jump on. It was a nice zero turn. And he'd mow his lawn, and sometimes mine too. Sometimes I'd mow his. But we just kind of had this real general agreement. And we both stuck with it, and we both thought we were getting a good deal. Well, that wasn't enforceable by law, but it was certainly a good agreement. Or how about this one? This is not as good of a one, is it? This is kind of a bad one. Think about a husband telling his wife that he agrees not to beat her if she has dinner on the table at 5 p.m. every evening and she doesn't look ugly. 
Well, that would be a non-binding agreement. There's no legal penalty uh, if she doesn't follow that. So this non-binding thing is just nonsense. It's, it's, a, it's a nonsense word. We should just get rid of that word. We should call this term non-binding agreement. We should call it an agreement. This non-binding thing is just trying to fool us and pull the wool over our eyes. Let's come back after the break and uh, talk a bit more about some phrases and some manipulations that people are trying to pull over on us. Let's think. Welcome back to the Let's Think show, and uh, we're going to continue our discussion on logic and reason and not uh, not allowing people to pull things over on us. That's, that's, uh, uh, as I've mentioned, that's something that's pretty important to me, and maybe it's important to you too. Uh, if you don't have a big ego and you don't really care, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we're, we're a little different in that way. Uh, one of the things that I, I think we have to remember is our, our dedication to honesty, if that's one of our values. And for, for me, it is. And so, uh, you know, if you've been listening to my show for a bit, uh, what my stance is on uh, masks and uh, this whole 2020 uh, farce where uh, everybody's supposed to wear a mask and, and they're trying to get everybody to believe it's necessary and, and for health reasons. Um, and, so, and so you guys know what my thoughts are that that I think it's it's primarily junk and yes there's a virus and and I'm you know I'm not one of these folks that say it's a, a pretend thing that's not even happening but but there are some deeper reasons that I think wearing a mask is is silly and in my little small town uh, there are other people that agree and uh, they agree for different reasons though we arrive at the same conclusion in different ways. And so I've noticed this with a lot of things in life. I, I find allies, I think, and uh, yeah, we're both just really agreeing about something. But then I realize that the way they are getting to that conclusion uh, is not a an honest or an intelligent or a, a logical way. And uh, gosh, then it, and it's tough because my side, <laughs> which is, you know, they're on my side in this thing, then my side looks like uh, like we're silly, like we're not being scientific about things. Uh, so I think it's important to call these things out. And I'll give an example of an email I just I just recently received. Uh, and uh, this is from uh, somebody who's an anti-mandatory uh, mask person uh, in my community. And he's been sending emails every few days to uh, the, the rulers and, you know, hoping that they are just out there waiting to get some good information from a a person that sends them multiple emails and that if they just get that information, they're going to change their minds. Uh, but this is his latest email. Uh, and not all of it's completely relevant, but in large part it is. From April 9 to July 3, there was no mask mandate, and yet active cases dropped from 34 cases to 21 cases. That is a decline of 38%. And, and this is just for our little small community. Then, on July 3rd, in our area, uh, there was a government mask mandate that was passed. Since July 3rd, 
the number of net active cases has increased from 21 to 221 in mid-November. Now, that's not a typo. Thanks to these counterproductive masks, the number of net active cases has increased by 10 times from 21 to 221 during the time of the mask mandate. It is pretty obvious that masks are totally counterproductive. Once people start using them, cases increase tenfold in four months. And that was a quote from my buddy. Now, I've known this guy or of this guy for many, many, many years. And I don't think he means any harm. I, I wonder if he's being sloppy. I don't think he's trying to be dishonest. Uh, I would hope that he knows enough about the scientific method and logic and reason to know that he's wrong. But what, what do you guys pick up on this? What, what do you think is his problem? Where, where is he running, uh, running off base when it comes to logic and reason? Well, I would say that you know even if we, even if we pretend, if we put ourselves in the shoes of the people who love laws and mask mandates and every you know any rule you can think of to help to help with the you know the whole mask COVID thing, uh, they're all over. Even if you believe what they believe, which is that local, state, and national uh, and world governments really care about the health of the people that they rule and and it's a government's job to protect citizens from harm, even if it's harming themselves. And COVID-19 is a horrible, nasty thing that we have to, at any cost, uh, the number of humans that get it must be minimized. Even if we have to, to do radical things, we just have to minimize it. And, and if everybody wears a mask in public, 95% of the expelled COVID cooties that come out of people's breath, they'll, they'll be captured in the mask and they won't get to other people. So even if we assume that all of that is correct... Or if we hate it and we don't think any of that is correct, where is the reasoning wrong? And I'm just going to read the last two sentences. That's the summary, the conclusion that he gives. It is pretty obvious that masks are totally counterproductive. Once people start using them, cases increase tenfold in four months. Well, this is which fallacy? This is the causation correlation fallacy. Not everything that is correlative is also causative. So we can't say, well, because, I mean, if you look at the this uh, example he gives, uh, a certain thing is done between April and July, and therefore everything that happens months later is a result of that thing. Well, no. The mask mandate in our area uh, could be said to have also increased ice cream sales, because most certainly since July 3rd, ice cream sales have increased in our Rocky Mountain little tiny town. Well, I think it has more to do with it's hotter out and people want to have ice cream in the summer. Um, another example of this would be if we look at this correlation versus causation uh, at this this error in reasoning. Think about this example. And everybody listening to this, I guess unless you're listening to a podcast or you're listening online, uh, most of us here live in the Rocky Mountain area, and we get a lot of snow in the fall and the winter and the spring, and then around April or May, all of the uh, the water starts draining. Uh, that's when the snow melts. It all starts kind of working its way down the mountains, and, and then the streams and the rivers get really high, and frequently they'll overflow. We'll have some a bunch of water coming over the banks. So imagine if we use this same logic that my buddy used, we'd have to say this. We could say something to the effect of, well, in February and March and April, only 21 gallons of water 
over flooded the the banks of the the particular creek and then we put sandbags along the creek and then in May, June and July we had 21,000 gallons of water come over the banks and so therefore sandbags cause flooding. Well no. Sandbags didn't cover the flooding. A bunch of water caused the flooding. And the same is true with the whole uh, mask thing. We can't even let our friends and allies, people with whom we agree on certain topics, we can't let ourselves get away with being illogical. It ruins our credibility later. Now, if this guy, well, and of course, he's writing to government people, so he's, but even if he was writing to intelligent, thoughtful, logical people, nobody who gets this, who understands logic and hears his message, now they're not going to listen to him from now on. Now, maybe they should. That's another fallacy is when you don't listen to somebody because of who they are or you find something negative about them and you never listen to them again or or agree with what they say or pay attention or, or give it a, a good listen. Um, that's a whole different fallacy. But essentially, if we mess up on our logic and our reason, then we ruin our credibility. And then when we do say something that makes a lot of sense later on, nobody believes us. We've ruined our credibility. That's not a good thing to do, is it? And that kind of brings up, and by the way, uh, let me give you our number, 406-646-6121. Weigh in on this. Uh, Give a call, and then we're not going to answer right off the bat. Let it ring a little bit, and then uh, leave a message. Leave your first name so so we can share your first name with our audience and your thoughts on this on a future show. Uh, 406-646-6121. What do you think about... Being logical, is it something we should do all the time? Or uh, is it okay if we're ev- arguing against evil people? Let's say we're or- arguing against the one of the uh, the Great Reset or the New World Order folks who are, who are kind of trying to change, uh, change life for humanity and, and kind of make it more robotic and take away individual freedoms and such. And, and what, what if we would say that those are, those are some pretty nasty, bad, evil people? And in order to defeat them or, or the people who are their useful idiots, um, we could use some manipulation and some illogical fallacies, especially if we know it'll slip by them. Should we do that? Well, that kind of comes back to what we've talked about in past shows, which is a means versus an end, right? Which do we think is more important? Are we willing to use bad means because we think it'll get us to a good end? And that's kind of a... That's a morality issue, and I'd, I'm still struggling with that. Uh, I'm still struggling with that because there are some people that uh, that are really out to harm the world. They don't know it. They think they're doing good stuff, but they're out to harm the world. They don't understand or respond to logic or reason, so we can't use that. That, that tool is completely gone. I mean, the fact that you're still listening to this and, and that you care and, and that you're maybe looking for areas that I'm being illogical or, or unreasonable, and you're examining your own arguments, and you're examining the things you hear, this puts you in a high a high category of, of thinkers. Most people, I'd say 98, 99% of people, are not like that. They're not like you, and they're not like me. That They don't understand logic. What they understand is emotion. That's all they understand is emotion. So... As in advertising, you appeal to somebody through emotion, and then they can back up their purchasing decision uh, using logic and reason. 
but that's a long known salesman thing. Uh, as, as we mentioned before, we sell the sizzle, not the steak. And so if in order to sell our wonderful stake of individual liberty and, and just humanity being free and, and, and being able to go out and create order out of nothing, uh, if we want to spread that wonderful word of voluntarism, uh, shouldn't we sometimes use the language that, that will actually get through to people? And if it's not logic, should we really handcuff ourselves and not allow our message to get out? Because we want to be Mr. And Mrs. Moral. I don't know. I struggle with it, too. What's your opinion? 406-646-6121. Or uh, check out our webpage. Uh, Our show page is openlyvoluntary.com forward slash let's think. And you can find past uh, episodes of the show there. Uh, Please do check in. And until next Saturday night, uh, please be good, treat people well, live a wonderful life, and stay tuned for our next show, Administrative Static, our next show on KHNC. Check them out. See what you think of their show as well. See you next week. So long, it's